Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Um, this episode, my guest is Nate from Converge and Old Man Gloom and a bunch of other awesome bands over the years. Um, Nate did this podcast. He's my first return guest, I suppose, in this new format. Um, I looked before and he was episode 14, so he did it a long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to talk to him about a record he really likes. Um, he chose the Joshua tree by U2, which, um, you know, is another cool record to chat about being that I assume like a lot of people, my knowledge of U2 is pretty much reserved for the radio classics, I suppose. And listening to this record in full, it's not something, I mean, I've heard like the, the singles off the record and things like that, but it's not a record that I think I've ever just sat and listened to and has definitely really changed my opinion on, I guess, how I would broadly describe U2 as a band, um, which is a good thing. Again, another reason why I wanted to do this. Um, definitely a good record to just listen to while you're making dinner, which is what I did when I listened to this. Um, but yeah, it was really cool to chat with Nate, um, get another, you know, real big fan opinion of a record, but then talk about how that's related to his playing music and how he's, you know, uh, been influenced by this record as, you know, in writing records himself and things like that, even though it's not something that's, you know, so directly related to hardcore or metal or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun chat. Um if you have any feedback for me, please give it to me. Um, I've been putting these up for a couple of weeks now and it's been really exciting to get them on the internet and I've been really proud of chatting to people about cool albums they like a lot. Um, as I mentioned in the previous little intros, if there's something you want to hear me talk about, if there's a record you want me to look into, if there's a person you think I should chat to, please let me know. I'll, I'll get into it as best I can. Um, I updated our website and all our social media things, so... Just search Oblivious Maximus or Oblivious Maximus Podcast. You can find it on there if you want to. Uh, give us a review on this thing, I guess. Um, give me some, you know, input. Follow the pages. More will be coming up soon with more cool people, which is great. Um, but yeah, for for this week, um, please enjoy what is now episode 78 of the Oblivious Maximus Podcast with Nate from Converge talking about Joshua Tree by you too. Fucking brutal. All right, Nate, thank you for doing this newer version of my podcast with me. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm excited. It's good to hear from you. It's been a little while. It has been. Um, obviously, you know, we were just talking, but things in the world are in kind of a spiral place at the minute but um how are you faring over there um overall okay you know uh myself and my family we're all healthy so mm-hmm. that's good um it's uh i don't know it's weird to not go to a dark place in your mind when you're stuck inside and it feels like the world's falling apart yeah but um you know i've been trying to keep uh keep busy and just be as productive as I can. Have you found that that's been challenging or have you found that like using, using the time to be there has done something positive for you with music and things like that? 
I've actually found it difficult. Yeah. Um, because now I have to focus on it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sure. And so, so when I do that, like, you, you know what I mean? Because there's, there's, it's like, it's become the only thing that I'm focused on all day. And I just, I can't uh, like, I, I can't, I can't let go and just let stuff happen. You know, it's like, I'm overthinking things now. I've actually been the same way, which is kind of why I wanted, which is kind of one of the reasons why I started doing this again. Cause I was like, you know, the first week of being in locked in my house, I was like, I'm going to play so much guitar. And then every time I picked up the guitar, it was one of those things where it like, to me, it felt like, because I was kind of trying to force myself to do it, just nothing productive or good was actually coming out yeah um, so doing this has been like maybe if i just talk to people about music a bit more that'll help me get get back in the swing of things no i and it, it that's actually something that i do too like it it actually really helps me to get yeah. excited about it and I, i've also been man i'm a luddite when it comes to like home recording and stuff oh me too so, so like i kind of to, I've been trying to take this time to make myself learn how to record at home. You know, not nothing incredible. Just you know, I want to be able to make halfway decent demos to send to the other guys in my bands and stuff, and you know, share stuff that way and trade tracks back and forth. Yeah, sure. And you know, I just never really did it before because I always had access to people with recording studios and yeah, same. you know it was just kind of easy so now i'm trying to make myself do it and it's so fucking frustrating <laughs> it's it's funny man like there are people that do it and it's it's like nothing you know and, yeah and i'm like how come this asshole can do it and i can't figure it out <laughs> yeah it makes you but, appreciate um, the talent that actually goes into a lot of it Oh, it really makes me appreciate it, and it also makes me feel like a complete and total failure. <laughs> <laughs> like you've spent so much time in studios, you should just be able to do it by now yourself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just... And, and not even, like, just the most basic shit. I'm like, why can't I get my vocal to sound, you know, like... I don't even just listenable. Like, <laughs> yeah. how do you make a guitar not sound like you're just going direct? And I know that it's all stupid, simple, easy answers to all those questions. But even when I have the answers and I have the stuff to make it work, I still can't make it work. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I mean, other than doing this podcast, like this is the only thing I've managed to figure out recording wise. And it's very... From what I understand, or at least what I've been shown, this is like just recording two people talking is incredibly easy. But that like doing anything on guitar, I'm the same. I'm still the dude who's recording demos on like the voice memo thing, just leaning it oh, up against yeah. the amp. Like that's how I do that. So. 100%. That's what I do too. Yeah. I, I, I like record a voice memo. And then I film myself playing it. Yeah. And I send I send it to the other guys like here's how you play it. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. You know it's that's I guess like a historically perfect way of doing things. So. <laughs> I knows? know. Why, why why did the world have to go and fuck that up? <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's get into talking about this record. So when I asked you what record to pick, you've chosen Joshua Tree by U two. 
Um, Here we go. Why did you choose this record? It's one of my all-time favorite records, man. Um, yep. Like in, in probably in my top five. I've loved that record since the day it came out. Um, Is that a when lot you of people- first heard it? Yeah. Yeah, I got it on the day it came out. Because I was already a U2 fan. I was a kid. Sure. But, um, yeah, I I loved him. Actually, I I got the tape on the day it came out, but my mom bought me the LP for Christmas that year. Yeah, awesome. So, what was, I guess, being, being a U2 fan at the time, what was the... Was there like a palpable sense of excitement about this record coming out for you? Yeah, but I mean, I was a kid, yeah. so it, it it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like a few years later when it was you know when a new Slayer record was coming out, and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck it, Slayer!" You know, I was like, "Oh, cool, you too." They're on MTV, you know, and yeah, I had like I had the Unforgettable Fire and War and Boy, um, you know. Sunday Bloody Sunday was my jam. So, like, I sure. was I was just, I was into it. I don't know. So, when that came out, I was pretty excited. And, like, what, what was the, what was your, what's your, like, memory of feeling when you first heard this record? Like, you just liked the well, music or you don't really have that much of a sense of it? Um, well, I want to say... I, I want to say that they were playing the video for With or Without You before the record came out. Yeah. That I, would make sense. I, it's all like, this is all kind of hazy for me. That's okay. But I, you know, I remember, you know, loving that song and just being like, they're so cool and moody. Look at them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then the record came out and, you know, I got it and, put it on and was just like holy shit i love this record you know and when you're a kid you don't really connect with records the way you do when you you know become a real rabid music fan so it it was just you know i i just remember liking it you know and i mean it was a big record it was really popular so oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i think i think i didn't i think for me like being that I mean, I like you 2 songs, but I think I'm probably one of the people that also has had the issue with them in my life of them, you know, sort of becoming a bit of like a joke of themselves in some ways. And I think, I mean, oftentimes, you know, the, the fact that Bono is a celebrity effectively and, you know, and things like that then affects maybe how you perceive the music. But- Certainly, like, just sitting and listening to this record the other day, just listening to it the whole way through, I, like, completely forgot that all of these songs are on this record and that there's so many, like, uh, the record itself as a whole is, like, it sounds great and it, like, the the songs move into one another really well. Like, it's a really well thought out record. And again, I guess when at least myself, just as a cursory thought of a band like U2, you just, uh, I, you know, in my head, I would just immediately go to associate them with the songs that I know rather than like a plotted out, well-conceived album kind of thing. Um, and like, I, I don't know, is that is as a, as a long, I suppose, as a longer lasting fan, is it something for you? Like, would you, would you put on a U2 record or would you go straight to the songs that you like? 
generally speaking, I put on a U2 record. Sure. Um, I mean, after after um, the Joshua Tree, the records get a little more spotty for me. Yeah. But but every record has incredible songs on it. Um, but the Joshua Tree in my opinion is a masterpiece beginning to end like that that is a record that still to this day i hold up as like a gold standard record when i'm working on a record yeah you know, sure. like that like that's a perfect example of a record that you put on you press play and you listen to the entire thing there there's no low point on it there's no bad song but the like the stronger songs are sort of uh they're they're placed in a sequence that maybe makes the the songs that wouldn't stand out on their own as much like that have much more impact yeah it's like the the record itself like it almost plays like one long song yeah it with, does for sure you know like with different movements and different parts that kind of you know, accent each, you know, each other or each, every other part on, on the record. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, look at that record as kind of a guidepost of, of how to make a good record. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and uh, you know, back to what you were saying, like, it, it's totally like, I, I totally understand why people view them as a caricature of themselves, mm. you know, because they got kind of, you know, bigger than, you know, just larger than life. Yeah. And then, you know, they're playing at the Super Bowl and they're putting records on your iPhone. Like, I get why people, <laughs> I get why people don't, don't like them because of that. But, you know, I, I guess having been a fan since I was a kid and always loving all those early records... I can always hear that in them. Yeah. And, you know, they're just one of those bands that even when they put out a, a, a new record that I'm not too excited about, like, I'm still going to listen to the whole thing and I can still find like, Oh, that's what I loved about them. It's still there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You know, it is, it's one of those things I think as well. I feel like, well, certainly people who, who don't play music, I would say at at some point lose a little bit of understanding of this as well. But I mean, I think the, the other thing too is it's it's pretty rich coming from a from most people who are never faced with the opportunity for one or faced with really the choices that you have to make when you get to a size like a band like you two gets. Like I mean, they it's not like they at least from this from how I perceive the band, it's not like they actively made a decision that was like all right, well, now we're going to play in stadiums, so everything, we have to now do this or now we have to do that. I mean, for, for the most part, from the scene, from the, from what it seems like, that progression naturally happened for the band and then they got bigger because more people like their music. It's not, you know, it's not their fault that people, that they're now popular and they now have to do very large things. It's just what gets requested of a band that is, you know, that yeah. size, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it happened organically, and the larger your band gets, you know, you either, you know, graduate up to the to a higher level of, you know, visibility, or you become exclusionary. Yeah, you know, and so 
there's no <laughs> that that's like a lose lose situation in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, you know? absolutely. So it, it's it's like, what are you gonna do? You're, are you gonna make it so the people who want to see your band can't get in to see you because <laughs> or because there's no there's not enough space for them to be in the room? Yeah. Or, or are you gonna you know move up to the ne- to the bigger venue and have you know, some purists be angry at you because you're not playing in their living room. I, I don't know. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's something that you've probably had to tackle in, you know, in your band as well at some point or another. <laughs> like, it's not. I mean, not on that kind of a level, <laughs> you know. It, it And it, overall, you know, just where, where we're coming from, like, out of the hardcore scene, like, that entire scene has grown. Yeah, not just us. So, I feel like most of the things that we've done have have happened in a logical way, and people can understand. Yeah, like we haven't we haven't really gotten a lot of blowback for many of the decisions we've made. So, um, That's I, maybe we're maybe we're lucky, or maybe people just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it works out fine for you. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. Um. Oh, something so something I didn't I didn't recognize when like looking thing looking things up about this record a bit is how I guess how highly praised this record is in America um, and how like I, I suppose like the the theme of the record is like there's you know a lot of stuff about the US in here and again like that might again just as a cursory look that might seem kind of odd being that they're not an American band. Um, but like I didn't, I didn't realize like it's it's listed in the 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 Library of Congress's National Recording Registry as like an important record for America, which is quite interesting to me. Oh, I, I didn't know that either. Actually, yeah, but that's that's really that's really cool. Actually, yeah. but it, it sorry, go it on. makes sense. I mean, the the subject matter is very much it. it well, from what I understand, a lot of it is actually about America, yeah. kind of through through their eyes, um, and so uh, yeah, that might be why it resonated with so many people here. I, I I don't know. I mean, it seemed like they fully embraced the the um like this idyllic view of 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 the American dream. And that, like, that kind of informed their concept on the record. I, I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah, uh, it's just, it's just interesting for me because I guess when I, I mean, maybe it's because, you know, I live and am from Australia. But to me, you two are like, you know, they're a, obviously they're from Ireland, but to me, they're 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 part of that same group of bands from you know from the uk from the 70s and 80s like that's that's how i envision that band it was just interesting yeah. and surprising to me to see that like i you know obviously the title suggests it is you know based on something to do in america being the the name of the record but i didn't realize that it was so thematically tied to america and then i guess this uh, i suppose the the time they'd spent touring there and doing things in the u.s and then in turn it's become such an important record i guess important enough for the you know the u.s government to put it as part of a you know a catalog of music kind of thing yeah that's wild yeah that's wild um that's really cool though yeah yeah it's, it's quite interesting um 
so when I when I first started listening to the record, I guess a big thing for me with you two as well that I think sometimes fits into that sort of caricature caricature thing you mentioned before is, um, I guess the edges guitar playing. So from a lot of I guess guitar playing as an outside, I don't know, I suppose industry almost. He's often I suppose spoken down upon for not not playing. You know, not riffing heaps or doing like, oh, Pete, you know, that's uh, that is just idiotic. Absolutely, honestly, I mean, he's an incredibly creative guitarist, and he's been a big influence on me. And one of the things that I really love about his uh, about his playing is that he's it, it's it's more about accenting what's already happening yeah you know he he's not leading the song like um adam clayton and larry mullins just incredible incredible um rhythm section like what i think one of the best rhythm sections in in rock yeah well that, i mean that, that was the the first note i made when listening to this was the bass is doing like all the heavy lifting of, I guess, like the you know, it's doing so much work, kind of thing, for yeah, for for a band that I would say, like, if you talked about the members of this band, Adam Clayton probably gets the least accolades, uh, you know, pu- publicly. I know, and he he's hands down one of my favorite bass players. And yeah, pe- and it's the same thing. People are are like, oh, what? He's just playing notes. It's like he's not even. Just playing simple bass lines. I'm like, I know, but he's fucking holding it down. Yeah, like he's the glue, and it, it's so evident with you two. And uh, I don't know. It, it's they have such a perfect mixture, and like a perfect sort of dynamic, where you know they all know where they fit in, and none of them overdoes it. Yeah, and that's that's so hard to to do, you know. Um. Back to the Edge's guitar playing. Um, it's funny. Uh, another huge U2 fan is Steve Von Till from Neurosis. Yeah, yeah, cool. And and he and I have had long conversations uh, about about U2. And he, he actually told me that the Edge is one of his favorite guitar players ever and is a huge, huge influence on the way he plays in Neurosis. Yeah, right. And, you know, I never thought about it before. And then I... I you know I went back and listened and and you know we were on tour with them and so I watched them you know I, I watched specific specifically just watched Steve play all you know for an entire set one night and I was like wow it's he really is just playing just like the edge like yeah yeah he he's everything is like washy like wet kind of you know big reverby and uh delay sort of effects and he he's kind of like adding this entire other um sonic dimension to to uh to their songs and that's totally what what the edge does and it just kind of it blows my mind when people like to like to talk shit on the edge playing guitar because he's he's incredible yeah well and 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 also do you know how hard it is to control delay like that <laughs> yeah it's that's, so that's fucking what I, hard that's what i was gonna say like that when I, I mean i cannot do that 
and like you know, no. I, I and I think that I one of the, I suppose the thing that I sp- I regularly see on this is that people are like, oh yeah, he's not playing fucking anything. He's just working heaps of pedals, and it's like yeah, but working heaps of pedals is what he's doing. That that is not easy to do, and it, it's he's nope. he's using all of these things to then create a sound. He's which is the point, arguably the, the actual point of using pedals. It's not just to turn them on and leave them like a lot of yeah. like I, d- I do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it, it's like you, you have people that look at guitar as it's as if it's some kind of like fucking athletic device mm. that they're like trying to show everybody how good they are. And then you have people that look at it like a tool for creating something. And the pedals effects synthesizers anything that you can get to make a sound it's just a tool to make that song work and so i just that mindset just it's it's never made sense to me no um yeah i mean and and the, the whole thing like like you were saying about people saying how he's just using a bunch of pedals it's like yeah could you do that because i couldn't and i mean to those same people, you know, like at least in like the the punk and metal and weirdo music world, they all love Melt Banana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched Melt Banana? All that dude is doing is dancing on pedals. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, are dumb. I, I think like when I sort of like you said before, I I put this record on. And was making dinner and it was one of those, it was like one of those perfect making dinner records because it like, it just sat really comfortably in the background and then the hooks brought me in and then, you know, as it was cruising through, it was just really good to listen to. But I I suppose the, the biggest thing that I took away from it as I was listening was, you know, really how, how a lot, how a lot of what the guitar playing is actually doing is informing that sort of flow of the record. Like if the if the driving is the you know the bass and the drums and that the rhythm section that there is there, what's really dragging that continuation along for me at least was was the guitars on it and how how that you know it was it was really complementing the drive I suppose. If the if the bass and the drums of the car moving forward, this was everything else that was making it move. You know it was. And I think there's a a lot to be said of how I guess that they wrote this out in pieces. I guess it you know in that everybody had their job to do, but you know the the job that the edge was doing on it was really adding this layer that then carries across the whole album. You know, it's true. And one of the things about about his playing on that record too is like you know that like you were saying that the bass and drums are driving it and they're like the, the, the bedrock. And it's like, it's really heavy, yeah. honestly, like, and, but, but, but his, um his guitar playing is like, it almost tells you like, okay, this is energetic now. Like you're yeah. this, you know what I mean? You go from like being in this kind of heavy, sad vibe. That's everything's moving slowly to like, you know, may- maybe the tempo of the song is not that much faster, you know, when you get to the next track. But, you know, it's the way that he attacks it that you're like, oh, fuck, this is an upbeat song now. Like, this is, th- this vibe is completely changed. And it's literally just the way he's strumming. Yeah. You know? 
I think I think another thing that really I guess hooked me in with listening to this too is I mean, yeah, like I mentioned before, it obviously sounds really good. And I guess when you get to a point where you're a band like you two, it's, it's, you know, that's kind of what is to be expected of the size of the band you are. But this has like that proper, I guess what I, in my head is always like that proper big 80s, like rock production, like everything sounds huge on it. Like- the like the drums to me sound incredible like <laughs> it yeah it, uh, it it is it sounds huge and like big and roomy but it doesn't have that like hot 80s crispness yeah that a yeah. lot of records from that time do it's it's very like it's dull in a lot of places like sonically dull around the edges and yeah it it kind of forces you to really it i don't know it it like some records from that time period, like it almost feels like they're kind of jabbing at you sure. sonically. And this record isn't like that. It's like a warm blanket. Yeah. You know? yeah. You're just like, Oh, this sounds fucking perfect. And ever like every song, the production on every song is perfect for that song. Hmm. And yeah, I but don't know. It's great. That was another thing that I, I sort of was reading into it a bit more about how it was recorded over, I suppose, and I guess this is something that I don't, I've never really had too much experience with other than doing different parts at different places. But like, I guess bands that are afforded the capacity to, you know, do different parts of records at different studios or do different songs in different spaces or whatever to to match the sound that they want for that. But I guess that's something that, you know, it's not like to me it's not one of those things where it's jarringly noticeable it, it clearly it suits what they wanted to do for each song or each part of the collective record you know um yeah because listening you would never know that those songs were recorded in different places like it, yeah it, it's very sonically cohesive yeah so would w- is this like is this record something then i mean you mentioned it's something that obviously you know it's obviously an influence to you do you think do you think this is like this is a record you look to when thinking about albums as a whole. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, just you know, I I really strive to make an album be something that's cohesive, beginning to end. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to write a record where people skip through to the song they like or like the. You know what I mean? Or just take pick the songs out that they like and don't care about the rest of it. Like, I want an album to be a full package. You put it on and you play the whole thing beginning to end. I, and I already said this earlier, but yeah, the, the Joshua Tree in particular is like the shining, shining example of how to do that. Um, so... You know, I, I always kind of hold it up against whatever I'm working on. You know, like what would I would I play this whole record beginning to end like I would the Joshua Tree? Sure, because yeah. if I would if I wouldn't, then we're not finished. Yeah, yeah. You know, is there is that something that um, you know has been difficult for you to, I guess, manage yourself in the past? Has that made you critical of things that you maybe otherwise weren't critical of? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm overly critical of 
of myself to begin with. So if I'm bringing something to the table, it's I, I've already, you know, hemmed and hawed over it enough that and told myself that I suck and that it's terrible, <laughs> you know, before anyone else even hears it. But um, yeah, I like it. I'm sure it's made it difficult for my band members because it it's made it's made me a an extremely harsh critic of whatever we're working on. Yeah. You know, like, and it, it's always going to be difficult because you've got, you know, X amount of people all with a, with a different idea of how they want something to turn out. And so you've got to find that, you know, that middle ground that everybody agrees on. Yeah. But, but ultimately, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for flow. I'm I'm looking for a record that takes you on a journey rather than, you know, giving you a song here that you like and then followed by some filler and then another song you like. Like I, it it's got to be something each song has to accent the song that was before it and after it. Sure. And do you do you take that into into the initial process of writing things or do you find that that reflects itself more in the after work of once you've recorded stuff? Um, I wouldn't say in the, I, I wouldn't say in the initial, uh, like, uh, of, of writing, like, sure. Usually when we start writing, it's just, okay, let's see what we've got and see where it takes us. And then it's kind of, Maybe when we get to the halfway point, we're like, okay, we've got a lot of songs like this. We need to do something that's going to bridge this to something else or like, you know, or we'll kind of have like, here's a bunch of fast, heavy songs, but we also wrote this like really slow, melodic, moody thing. And they're really, they don't fit together. We need to find some way to bridge them together. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of when we start really letting the the uh what we want at the end inform what we're what we're doing yeah i mean i think i think as well like i mean i I think i've learned that over the years of you know just playing more music playing with different people and then even how that then always informs the bands that you go back to with that but i suppose you know i think you know when i was younger playing music it was just try and write enough songs so that you can put out a record you know like yeah and where now it's at the point with uh with well whenever i'm doing this now it's like just keep writing songs keep writing songs and keep making music and then once it's time to make a record the record will you know the record's there and then that's what you mold not not setting yourself some sort of like unachievable goal that you need to do something which I, yeah. I guess I guess can be difficult for for different reasons, but for me, I found you know getting to a place where you have more than enough content, I suppose, and then you you have to work that into shaping what a record should be. Inevitably, yeah. ends up then, making a better record. Oh, absolutely! And then you know you find yourself in a place where you're like, okay, we can actually cut some stuff that yeah. you know. We can. We're able to look at this body of work and figure out what is the strongest material, you know, and and what maybe 
still needs some work and what is just kind of whack. So, yeah. And, and I mean, believe me, I write plenty of whack shit. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, and th- I mean, the other thing is the longer you do it and the more records you make, especially when you feel that you've made good records, you know, it, it gets to the point where it's like, well, I mean, I could just write a shitload of songs and put a record out right now, but I don't want to do that. I want to put out a good record. I want to put out a record that I would buy. Yeah. So, you know, it just, I, I think that just comes with time. Yeah. You know, you know the, the more you do, the, the, the more kind of discerning you become. Yeah. I suppose as well, like, I know that, I don't know if it was earlier, must have been the end of last year, they did, you two were touring, playing this record in full um i know i was so bummed i couldn't go yeah but like i i I mean i can only imagine that seeing this album live in full would be amazing again based on the fact that it is like you said like it's it's a piece effectively you know it's it's, yeah um but like i mean you've had some experience doing that as well playing your records from start to finish is that yeah is that something that's you know, is that something that's enjoyable for you to play, or is that something you know that you you were seeking out doing, or is it something that was sort of you know asked upon, put doing it? We we were asked in, yeah. in every like every time we've done it, it, it was it was a request, and yeah. um, I personally don't enjoy doing it, right? Um, for a for a multitude of reasons but um every time we did do it it was mostly because there was a practical reason as to why we could at the time yeah you know like you know like when we did jane doe at roadburn we were that was the same tour that that we were doing those blood moon shows yeah and like we couldn't financially make it work just playing one night with blood with blood moon yeah because you know that that whole production is a lot more expensive hmm. and so you know roadburn asked if we would do jane doe and it was like oh well yeah we can do that no problem we could play those songs with our eyes closed <laughs> without having practiced yeah sure we'll do that but like I don't personally enjoy doing a record beginning to end because, you know, the the way that you would um, pace an album is not necessarily the same way that you would pace a live set. Sure. And, you know, we're dumb. We have like a thousand different tunings. So like, (laughs) and on the records, none of the songs are blocked by tuning. So it's like, you know, shit that on the album is like, this blast of five songs in a row, you know, it's like, nope, got to stop after that one and a half minute song and switch guitars. <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on, hold on. We're yeah. getting to it. You know, everyone so keep it, moving as if we haven't stopped. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a cool thing, but at the same time, it, I like, I get as a fan of music, I get why, people enjoy seeing it because I enjoy seeing it with my favorite bands, but I don't particularly enjoy 
um, doing it. Sure. If that makes sense. No, no, for sure. I mean, I think I think the other thing too is like you, I, it, it sort of depends on what, what that record is too. Like if- um, Yeah. Like if it suits the setting of that, that full performance. I think that's the other thing that particularly can be difficult with heavy music, I suppose. And, you know, like you mentioned, if it, if it does have technical aspects that would trip it up, like having, um, you know, changes in tunings and instruments and things like that. Um, I think uh, I don't, it's one of those things for me. I don't think I've seen... I don't think I, I've personally gone and seen like a big production record in full in my life that's been that that's been something that sort of knocked me away. But I think that's also because I haven't had the opportunity to like there's definitely you know, like there's certain like like there's Pink Floyd records that, you know, I obviously there's you yeah. know they play the full thing out and it's you know, there's a production involved with it and things like that, which yeah, I've not had the opportunity to see, but those are the types of things where it obviously suits really well. But yeah, for sure, this record, you know, after listening to it, I suppose, and paying attention to every song, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like perfect for that setting, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, it's vastly different than a band like Converge. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the other thing is a band like U2 or Pink Floyd or whoever, like, they're going to make a huge fucking production out of it yeah like it's going to be visually stimulating as well as sonically so it's just a different and the the music is so different you know yeah like playing hardcore and metal and stuff it's like the the shows are very dependent upon the energy in the audience and you know the energy in the audience is dependent on you know the amount of energy coming off the stage yeah whereas whereas something like pink floyd or u2 or what have you you know that's music that you know you want to just settle into yeah i think i think that that's what's interesting for me though is obviously you know you mentioned that 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 is an influence on you it's it's interesting when even you know like everyone that i've asked to do this so far has picked records that have not been you know for, for the most part they're from hardcore and metal and that that sort of world and no one really has given me uh you know the options that people have given me to talk about have all been like kind of set aside from that um which is which is quite interesting for me to talk about and something that i'm really open to and keen to do as well because obviously i don't just sit at home and, you know, as much as I'm sure people think this of me, but, like, I don't just listen to I God 24-7. <laughs> like, <it's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, you know, it- And it's interesting how a record like this, though, thinking of it as an album as a whole and the, the way it moves and the way it sits as a piece of work then informs what is, you know, aggressive and heavy music, I suppose, and how that how that can translate to- how that influences you and how you interpret that in your own writing. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's weird because, you know, I, I grew up in a household where music was very, very accessible. Sure. Um, you know, my, my grandfather was a country Western musician. He, he passed away when I was really young, but um, you know, my, my parents loved music and, 
you know, their record collection was good and it was all right there and they were really cool and they would let me, you know, even when, when I was like five years old, they were letting me, my dad was letting me fuck with his record player, which is, is brave. But, um, (laughs) you know, like I, I was listening to my mom's Lou Reed and Bowie records and my dad's Zeppelin records, as well as like, you know, the, the country records that, that they grew up with. And, um, so I, I think, you know, like, I, I think that I always kind of had this wider palette for, for music that I, I wasn't even aware of. I just thought everybody yeah listened, listened to everything until I got older and realized like, Oh wow, not everybody knows that Lou Reed rock and roll animal is incredible. Yeah, sure. You know? Not oh, not everybody else's mom took them to see the Ramones. Like what? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you didn't see the Ramones? You know. So. So I I, I don't know I I. You know obviously like I said earlier when you're a little kid you don't necessarily like, connect with music the same way you do when you're a little bit emotionally and and um, intellectually more mature yeah but but i i think i was just lucky in the sense that i grew up in an environment where um you know music was just accepted you know and so when i got into weirder heavier shit stuff that was you know scary to other parents my my parents were just like yeah all right cool yeah you know check it out but um I'm kind of derailing right now, but um, <laughs> That's okay. like get it, getting back to your point, um, I think because of all of that, um, it's it, it was easier for me growing up, and when I started playing music, to realize like I love all of this stuff. I need to be pulling influences from this stuff musically as well. And it really made me want to dissect why I liked certain things and didn't like other things. And yeah. and when you do that, that's when you start saying, okay, well, what I like about this record is this, you know, I want to do, I, I want to try and figure out my version of that, you know? Yeah. And so I, so I guess it makes sense that other musicians you know, coming from the metal and punk and hardcore world would, you know, cite records that didn't come from, yeah, from that world. <clears throat> well, I guess, I guess the other thing too, is it's, it's, I suppose how, how you interpret an influence is so subjective. Like it's, you know, like the, obviously, you know, everyone it's, you know, most people who like metal love this Slayer record or whatever, you know, or most people yeah. like this, but how that then reflects in how you play your instrument or how you write songs, that's all down to you. That's not, you know, and, and similarly, like, I think another thing that's been, you know, massive for me is a lot of what I love or a lot of what I've been really influenced by is, absolutely not the how the music i play sounds like you know it's got oh yeah 
you know, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just whatever you you take out of that and how you apply that. So, I mean, I think I think for me, this is uh, listening to something like this reminds me of you know records of uh, my own that I like a lot that have really put that stamp on. Oh, you know, I love this because of it, how that moves or how that sits as an album, like not as yeah, like you mentioned, not as just songs, I suppose. And I guess I guess a an interesting thing for me with with picking a U2 record again as I mentioned earlier is like when if if I am to think of U2 or at least before we started talking about this, if I was to think of U2, I would just think of songs, you know, I wouldn't think of a record as a whole. So it was interesting for me to list, sit and listen to something as a whole, which made me open my mind a little bit more to it as well. Oh, well, that's cool. I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I was able to to play a part in that. You know, <laughs> thank you, man. It, You're making me smarter. Yeah, nice. I mean, it's funny, like you know, talking about the rhythm section again, like that. Mm. U2's rhythm section to me, it's it's like Led Zeppelin's r- rhythm section. Like that's something that I've always aspired to, and you know, it when i when i tell people how much i love that band they they're like what you play in converge like what are you talking about <laughs> and i'm like dude listen to hell to pay like listen to the song hell to pay off of jane doe and then listen to bullet the blue sky yeah you know like th- that's that's all it is <laughs> like straight up <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a direct ripoff or anything, but that it's that same vibe that yeah. that we were going for, and um, yeah, it it's just to me it's obvious, and yeah. when when people don't see it, I'm like, really? Wow, that's okay, cool. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think is there like is that. Do you find do you find there are other things that you listen to as well that have that similar sort of influence, or is this a real big standout one for you with that? I mean, th- there are a lot of things that that have influenced me, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I, I'm a huge huge fan of music in general. Sure. You know, I'm I'm al- always searching out new music. I'm always searching out old music. I'm cer- you know, I, I want to know what influenced what band and and what influenced the their influences and you know i and i like i'm always consuming music and trying to learn more about it Mm. and um one of the things that i'm always doing is like i'm hearing something and just thinking like how can i apply this to what i do sure um so yeah i mean pretty much everything i hear in some way has influenced what I do. I know that that's like a, not a non-answer. No, 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 that makes sense. I mean, I think, I but think it, for me with that stuff, it's like, um, it's one of those things as well where, where I, you know, I was definitely the person, well, the, the kid growing up who, you know, if I started liking a band, then I would look at all the shirts that they wore and then I would try and oh, find yeah. all those bands, you know, <laughs> and then, Oh, Totally. And then you go through their thanks list and, and buy every band on their thanks list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that's that's something that even for me is like, as now playing music myself is something that I feel is like a responsibility to talk to people about is like, oh, you like this? Well, you got to listen to this thing because that's where they 
you know, this thing influenced that part, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, it's, it, and, and like, just talking about my own bands when people are like, you know, oh, I love this, I love this. And, and I'm like, well, dude, if, if you like that, you should be checking this out. Cause this is directly what I ripped it off from, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I could, I could go through every record that I've ever played on and at least with the, with the songs that I wrote or had, you know, a, a, a heavy hand in writing, I could sit down with you and go through every one of them and tell you, okay, this is exactly what I was ripping off in this song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that that's something as well. That's like, I don't, like some people say, feel almost like afraid to say that, but I think, I mean, for me, no way, it's, man. it's part of how you make music. Like, it's just, oh, yeah, this is that part that I heard in that song. And then I had to go and try and make my own version of it. <laughs> yeah. And then you you figure out a way to fit it into something else in a way that nobody else knows. I mean, yeah. what what what's that saying? Um, talent steals or no. T- <laughs> talent borrows, genius steals. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. Something like that. I know what you yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> Which is because definitely- when you when you steal something, it's not theirs anymore. It's yours. Yeah. You've you've made it into your thing. Yeah. So so yeah, that's the I live by that. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> I, um, I I steal everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for you know. I know. I guess the other thing too is like I think it would be, I mean, surely very daft to say that you know someone was the first person that created something everything always comes from you know influence comes from somewhere people don't absolutely people don't just blindly create you know it's always coming from somewhere yeah um all right well thank you for going through so much about this record with me um oh man i could i could keep going if you want but But you probably don't want that because I'll talk your ear off. We'll, we'll keep things. We'll keep things uh, tighter. Um, I know we're in a time where everyone's futures and developments are relatively uncertain. But what is there anything that you've got got planned, or were plans really adversely affected by having to go home? You know. Well, um, yeah, lots of things have fallen through this year. Um, tours are just getting canceled left and right yeah. not only for for my bands but for everybody festivals falling through um you know it's i don't i don't know what the future holds honestly yeah, yeah. like I, it's it's a weird thing man it, this is one of the first times in my life where you know it, i feel like I, I, okay so like i feel like when I was younger, I mean, even just a few years ago, like when shit happened, I would be like, ah, we'll get through it. I can, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Yeah. And I still believe that we're going to be fine. But like, this is the first time in my life I can remember uh, that I can remember where like the future is just a fucking haze. Yeah. Like I don't know where this is going. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen for anything, you know, like aside from like all of the big scary shit, like people, people getting sick, people dying, like crashing the economy, like all this shit, like just, I, 
I don't know where anybody goes after yeah. this. I really don't. Well, yeah, I mean, the and- the other thing, too, is like I was speaking with uh, some people at work the other day, and I was like, I mean, obviously, in, you know, nothing like this has ever happened in my life. And then even, like, my parents, like, nothing like this has happened in my life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like- and so everyone's kind of, and I suppose like the the only thing, the only two things that I've seen even be not compared to it, but but uses like a judgment point were people saying, well, one, the only other time that in someone's life did they think like potentially everything would fall apart was people that were very distressed about Y two K was the the nearest. Oh one. yeah, but that was like didn't affect the health of people. It just affected yeah. how systems well, I, worked. I remember when that happened and I guess I was so fucking computer illiterate that I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. The sun, the sun's going to come out tomorrow, man. We're going to be fine. <laughs> but I, you know, I remember being, being a kid, like when, um, when AIDS first started sure. becoming a thing, you know, like nobody really knew anything about it then, and I mean, you know, at least you know when I'm in ele- when I was in elementary school, none of us knew anything about it, and our parents were pretty much in the dark about everything too. And it was just a very different world then. And and like I remember everyone being legitimately scared about AIDS. Yeah. And now, in retrospect, it's like that was stupid. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and and comparatively to this too, it's something that's like, wow, you know, <laughs> th- this is a yeah. completely different monster altogether. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like I, you know, the, I caught the tail end of the cold war yeah. and I mean, it was, that was scary too, man. I remember being like in elementary school thinking like, you, like legitimately being afraid that we were going to get blown up by by nuclear bombs i mean fucking sting wrote songs about it you know <laughs> sting had a song that was like a massive hit because everyone thought that the russians were gonna blow them blow everything up and little did they know they were just gonna fuck up everybody's elections <laughs> <laughs> it was a long play that one <laughs> yeah they got us they got it they didn't even need the bombs <laughs> they just got you later yeah fuckers oh. <laughs> Good on hey, you them. Know what? Good been, on them. <laughs> yeah, they, whatever. They outplayed us. You know what? I, I've been on tour to Russia twice, and both of the tours were awesome. The shows were great. So whatever. Yeah. People, yeah. people are the same all over the world, man. It's you know the power structures that are fucked up, but oh, human yeah. beings, human beings are. We're trying awesome. our best. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying. There's a lot of ding, a lot of fucking dingbats out there, but you That's know, true. the cool people, they're cool everywhere. Well, you know, glad to glad to be part of that illustrious company, mate. Let's let's hope that we are, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's leave it there. Thank you very much for talking to me. Um, hey, and no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hopefully we'll might do it again soon. Yes, sir. Cheers. I, hey, seriously, I've got plenty of other records we can talk about. Well, so. look, you know, let's we'll start making a list. We can do it. <laughs> All right. Have me back. Thanks, Wait, you know what? Since since no one's been talking about punk or hardcore or anything, I'd like 
I would like to talk to you about my favorite hardcore album of all time, the Embrace LP. Okay. So, so let's do that sometime. All right. We, we've got the next one penned in now. All right. Beautiful. All right. Thanks, mate. Thank you, man.